0: Hello, this is longtime Milwaukee Radio personality Steve Palick. Stand by. Your next episode is queued up. The on-air light is lit. It's season five of the bait and switch podcast.
1: And we're back. We're still doing this via Zoom. We just got done talking about how we might go live here again, live in the studio in a couple of weeks. You ready for that?
0: Yeah, I, I, I am. You know, I mean, I' still a little hesitant to do like you know big parties and things like that. But this is great because we can do people who are not local. But the I really like the getting together in in person in the studio. Yeah. I really like that. That's a lot of
1: fun. And I'm Chris Beyer, as always, with Jim Martin. And the one thing I want to point out is that. Before the cold open here, we had music. The music for the last couple of years has been uh, from tonight's guest, Richie Conway. We assigned him a little bit of work. We, we said, hey, we got this. What do you call what type of music did you call it? Just? It
0: was uh, royalty free.
1: Yep. We just picked a random one. We, we narrowed it down to three or four and then picked one. And that became our theme song. And I said to Richie, who's uh, my cousin's son here, second cousin, I guess we agreed on that. You know, I wondered if he could do a version of that. Uh, he said, Yeah, he'll do it. So that's mm-hmm. what you hear with the lead off. Uh, Richie is also the outro music. That is a song that I love. It's one of my favorite songs of the last couple of years by any artist. It's called The Daily Grind. We chopped it up and used it as part of our outro music. It's a, a really great end to the podcast. I think. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah no, I, I agree.
1: So with that, I'd like to welcome tonight's guest, Richie Conway. Welcome, Richie.
0: That's me. Hello. There he is. Welcome, Richie. Good to see you again. I'm on, I'm on the yeah. team.
1: <laughs> He's a, a working musician in Madison. Would you call it a working musician? You've probably got day gigs, but are, are you a musician first and foremost?
2: Um, you know, that changes over time. At the moment, I think I am a working musician. Uh, it's kind of taken the center stage.
1: And there's different aspects to it. You've got the family band. You guys are kind of like the Osmonds almost, where you've got a family band, <laughs> and then you've got your, your solo stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a little split. Actually, there used to be three. You know, uh, we had a had a, had a band in Madison uh, unrelated to my family. So I was quite the juggler for a time. But right now it's just down to the family and, and this stuff that I'm doing on my own.
1: The The family band, what's it called? The Conways or what, what's it
2: called? Uh, We've gone through a couple of names. I think we kind of go by the Conway family band.
1: Now, when you guys uh, play out in the in Madison area, kind of uh, the Rock County area, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are people showing up at at bars and whatnot for for live music now? Is there is there still kind of a COVID hangover going on or not?
2: Um, honestly, not not so much. Uh, we've had some pretty uh, bare bars, and and also we've had some pretty full ones where it doesn't seem any different than you know before COVID. So it's kind of a mixed bag. So I'm in Edgerton, which is near Madison. And there's a small little cafe called The Depot. And we've been kind of regulars there for a while now. It's this tiny remodeled train station that's now a cafe and bar. And we just set up in the corner. Uh, We were there last Saturday. And it's small, so it makes it feel full when there's 5, 10 people in there. So, honestly, that's ideal, I think.
0: Five people, 10 people. (laughs) 10 people, people? yeah, yeah. It's going to be nice to get out and, and play again.
1: Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Is there a different mood about the crowds here post-pandemic? Are they livelier? Are they less lively? Are they more reserved? Are they more rambunctious? Um, I really couldn't say. If there was something notable, I didn't
2: pick up on it. We've seen pretty much all different kinds of crowds. It's a whole mixed bag. Sometimes it's real rowdy and everyone's singing in unison and waving their beers, throwing $1 bills. Sometimes it's just people in their little clusters. uh,
0: They just turn around every now and then. So people aren't just walking around with their heads down, maybe with a hood over their head, moping no, around. No, 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 no.
2: Definitely not that. <laughs> that that's Definitely not what not it's that. like out there. Out I would there in notice. The world. <laughs>
0: you
2: know, I would notice that. Uh, yeah. It seems pretty, pretty casual.
1: Now, last time you were on the show, about two years ago or so, you had a an album out called Sea of Hooks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you can yeah. find a lot of that stuff on online on YouTube. And uh, where else can you find that? So I put it
2: out on uh, on Spotify. And Bandcamp are the two most reliable places to go.
1: Are you able to track uh, your views on each of those? I'm sure you are. And what uh, format are you getting most people listening to it?
2: I would say Spotify, yeah, definitely. Bandcamp, uh, mostly crickets. It's hard to stumble on things in Bandcamp. You have to like know what you're looking for. But I think mm. with Spotify, it's a little bit easier to, to find music accidentally.
1: Yeah. so this uh you're working on some new material do you have a uh a title for this new group of t- songs
2: um you know actually i don't <laughs> i don't have the album name which is silly because i've been working on this project for about a year year and a half now um well, let's just come up, up with one
0: should we just come up with one now let's just let's just figure it out oh
2: yeah um <laughs> sure okay okay, okay.
1: bait okay. switch <laughs>
2: um bait and switch switch and bait maybe uh oh there you, kind oh, of there you go <laughs> switch bait switch bait Switch bait, mm. Switch Bay supreme. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yes. A little yeah. more Taco Bell yeah. type. Right,
1: right.
0: Extreme, <laughs> yeah. X, yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, now I listened to to the last material, and I said, "There's you know, there's some poppy stuff, there's some bluesy stuff, and there's some experimental stuff. Kind of the same mix with this one, or have you gone in a different direction?
2: You know, more or less. I'm finding out, and it's not even intentional. I, I just, I just make these songs." And I even end up like putting in them similar orders. Like, it's just, I think I have a, like a a fixed kind of preference. It started resembling the last album kind of halfway through. I noticed it, but it does have, I try to always kind of have a mix of genres and to have, try to make each song kind of bring something new to the table that isn't kind of repeated. I think it's a
0: little bit weirder actually than the last album. (laughs) It's definitely a mixed, mixed bag of songs. Nice. Have you done any more promotion of your stuff? Last time we talked to you, you said, "Ah, I don't really do too much of that. (laughs) Promotion. Um, (laughs) Not really,
2: but after that interview, during uh, my last few months living in Madison, um, since I'm at home at the moment, um, there was a, uh, a small group of people that kind of discovered my music in Madison and I became friends with them. They're all jazz musicians and... It was a strange thing because they they all kind of they all listened to my music and they all liked it, and um, it it had a little bit of a spread in Madison, which was a a very pleasant thing that didn't really have anything to do with my own effort in promoting. It it happened, Um, which is nice. It's kind of cool. But
1: the hope, obviously, is what you just described, which is some type of organic growth, right, where people. You know, oh, word yeah. of mouth—that's obviously what everybody looks for in yep. in in business
0: and in music. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand the uh, the. Maybe the potential difficulty of promoting yourself. You seem like kind of a humble guy. You, you got to get an agent or something, right? We talked about this last time. Chris was going to be the <laughs> yep, agent. We did. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you two are my agents. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well,
0: we'll, we'll promote you. We'll go. To, Chris is going to go on the local radio station. We'll get yeah. Actually,
1: that was a little bit of a follow-up with the last one we did. We uh, we ended up having a, a guy on from a local independent newspaper in Milwaukee, the Shepherd Express. And I mentioned your work and he listened to it and he, he really liked it. He said, we can get Richie on for a, a feature that they did for their online edition. And you were featured in the, the, yeah, yeah. the local paper here. That's
0: oh, that, I didn't realize that actually went through. That's
1: awesome. Talking about this, the album, uh, if that's what we're going to call it. Back in our day, people would talk about concept albums where everything in the album kind of related to a general theme. Is there a theme of, uh, of the work that you're working on? An overarching theme.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, I, I don't know, I, I think there's a lot of ways to kind of incorporate the, the cohesion between the, the songs. And some sometimes it's really obvious and overt where, you know, like a Pink Floyd album where each song kind of flows into the next one or there's, you know, like the wall where there's like the deterioration of this guy's like sanity throughout the album. Like uh, the idea of, of an album, a collection of, of songs as a whole and as a single roller coaster ride, uh, that's the way I personally kind of perceive it. If somebody listens to my music, it means that they've decided to strap strap in on this like on one ride instead of like fourteen little rides. It, and it's just kind of the the way it's just threading songs together. Just even by just feel like you know some songs just sound better after certain other songs, you know you end up kind of creating a concept album in a way where it's, it's definitely kind of cohesive. The song order is very intentional. I also have been kind of experimenting with kind of strange uh, new ideas and a little bit more uh, soundscape-y or kind of abstract sampling, cut-and-paste collage feel that like kind of connects. It's like stitched together. I feel like the album is a little bit stitched together.
1: You know, we, we mentioned influences last time, and I want to get into that a little bit more in depth here. Now, uh, I watched uh, the Beatles documentary on Disney Plus called Get Back, which was uh, a bunch of footage that was uh, never released um, mm-hmm. from uh, studio sessions that they did in anticipation of their album. Which album was it? It was the uh, Abbey Road, perhaps, or was it Let It Be, maybe? I it was forget. Let It
2: Be. Yeah,
1: yeah Let It Be. And it was a fascinating. It was a fascinating uh, uh, thing to watch, and I know you're a big Beatles fan. And I'm just wondering: first, did you watch it, and you know, just some impressions of it, and then uh, how you incorporate your influences into your work?
2: Ooh, okay. Um, so yes, I did watch. Well, there's three. There's three parts. Each one's like two hours long, and. I haven't actually gotten to the third part yet, but I did watch the first two parts uh, twice <laughs> each. So and that that was awesome. Uh what a great what a great documentary. Wasn't and,
1: the film quality was really something oh, yeah. that, that you thought was, that this was really, recorded yeah. a week ago.
2: It really is kind of surreal. It's just so uncommon to see that good of footage. It's so hard to find. I've scrounged, you know, the the, the dark corners of YouTube and all these all these places to find little nuggets of of it, And then they just dump six hours of it on your head and it's just, it's awesome. And the music is is also just kind of the process of music making, watching four people, you know, uh, construct these songs that you know really well. And they start in, in a place where you, you, you recognize the song, but they're not there yet. And you're just kind of waiting for them to have that aha moment where they add this little lick that ends up in the final
0: song and the way that you know it. It's really cool to watch it actually. Do you have people that you bounce ideas off of for your music or is it, uh, is it really just kind of you just <laughs> by yourself? Uh, yeah, definitely just me by myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Did you, have you ever thought about like, yeah, maybe I'll, I mean, not, not that you have to like collaborate, yeah. but you know, just to throw it like, Hey, I was thinking about this. What do you think about that? Do you have people that you can go to, you know, musician friends I do. And stuff?
2: S- mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I will, um, I'll toss some songs at some friends and just to mostly uh, for the most part, it's, it's to get an idea on the mix as. Mm-hmm is the other drums too loud? Is this too loud? Like that kind of stuff. Ideal wise, it's mostly uh, entirely, uh, just, you know, just, just me. So I do mess around sometimes and make songs that aren't part of the album. And like, I like to just blow off steam sometimes cause I'm working on these songs, you know, for so long that I'll just spend the day doing something else. And I'll, I'll text a friend and be like, send me some, like, send me some suggestions like ideas or like, what kind of song would you want to hear? And I'll try and make it in the day. And I've nice. made quite a few songs like that. That is pretty fun, but that's the closest to collaboration. I think yeah.
0: Yeah. you you could have a whole, a whole album called the one-offs. Just call it the, the one-offs. Off. Yeah. Huh?
2: The one-off. there, <laughs> I was thinking like, yeah, no, that, that's pretty good. I, I, I was in the same vein. I was thinking like, you know, like songs for friends or something, you know, there you album. go.
0: Yeah. yeah like
2: songs about people's pets. I don't <laughs> know
1: yeah <laughs> uh now the, <laughs> seems- talking about the um uh the documentary i watched all three parts and um mm. you know just a couple of general ideas let's you know talk about each of the beatles in the documentary the first thing uh paul paul seemed to be the nucleus of the band uh he seemed to be the the driving force in the band and mm. some people might think he was a little overbearing so do you think paul was Correct in being moving things forward, or was he a little too pushy? Ooh, okay, um, so definitely
2: Paul was kind of the ringleader, but it wasn't always like that. Um, it's commonly kind of thought that the last album where John was kind of I, in the front of the group was a revolver, which is coincidentally my favorite album of theirs. I think it sounds it's just it's more rock oriented. It's when you listen to it, you can kind of tell that it's, it's a John Lennon record more than a Paul McCartney. And each subsequent album from then kind of has a Paul dominance in the sound and actually how it was recorded, I think. Um, but by the point of Let It Be, like it's clear that Paul is kind of running the show there. It's sounds, it seems like it's his ideas that take precedence.
1: In fairness, John, and again, you're probably more of a Beatles historian than I am, when I'm watching John in these sessions, I think that, uh, that he was affected by drugs to some extent. He was very scattered and um, very goofy, and I'm sure some of it was fun, but it, it, there's, he certainly seemed to be affected by some other force.
2: He looked pretty zonked for a lot of it, although when he does open his mouth, usually something very witty comes out, uh, which is reassuring. He's not just like brain dead.
1: Did the Beatles you know, break up at the right time, or do you think that they had more in them?
2: Uh I think they had more in them. And I, I only say that because the first few solo albums I think are phenomenal by each individual Beatle. Um especially John Lennon. He had about I think he had like two like really, really good albums that are I would call it Beatles quality that were probably run over just songs that he's had, you know, at the time. I think they could have pulled out a couple one or two uh albums that have the same sort of quality that that their previous but honestly it i'm fine with the way it is you know it's it's almost fitting that they they kind of formed in the in 1960 and 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 disbanded in this in 1970 it's like it's like uh it's better to have it and on a really good note than to have it kind of taper off so it's probably the best thing that it ended the way it did
0: oh, right, right. Yeah. and i I don't know that much about the story but i'm guessing they broke up for a reason too right i mean there was uh, probably some clashing going on there or something and who knows what if they stay mm-hmm. together right we don't know if that that music would have been as quality as if they go off and and be on their own yeah,
2: and in, in the documentary, that you can tell that there, there's, there's already a very big split between the, the nuclear kind of cohesion between the four of them. So mm-hmm. the, part, the part that blows my mind is that they recorded their last album, Abbey Road, which you know one of the greatest ones, after all of this turmoil that you see in this documentary. And it just blows my mind that, that after all of this tension, they, they got together and, and somehow created this insane album. Uh, That that always kind of just blows my mind. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that was one of the fears that I think a lot of people had before watching the documentary, that they're just going to see this squabbling constantly. But it really wasn't that way. It was generally a friendly experience that they had on the show. The the biggest uh, conflict that happened, at least during this recording session, was George. Uh, George was feeling underappreciated, underrepresented, in his songs. And, uh, the, the clash between him and Paul was, was probably the biggest clash point in, in the documentary.
2: I would agree with that. Yeah. I kind of thought when I was watching, he def, I, I kind of knew what Paul was coming from. Cause the first part of the part, one of the documentary, when you see George, uh, he has this like wah-wah pedal that he just put over every single song. Um, <laughs> He ditched it eventually, but the whole time, I'm like every single song has wah-wah pedal on it. And it's just, it's a little bit much, I don't know. By the end of it, I mean, listening to the song, to the album that, you know, uh, came from that whole, that whole fiasco, they made a pretty good album with a lot of great melodic contributions from George Harrison. So in the end, it kind of all worked together, I'd
1: say. Getting back to Jim's question, and the Beatles specifically here. Do you crave collaboration or are you more happy with independence?
2: Um, I don't really know. I, I think I have trust issues when it comes to, you know, I, I've had it, you know, for, I've been doing this for a long time. And I, on one hand, I definitely enjoy the, the pleasure of not having to negotiate or compromise any idea. Because I, I, I've also been in groups, you know, I have the band in. In Madison, And though I wrote the, the songs, um, there's there was still collaborative, kind of constructive uh, changes that we'd make to them. And so I know what it's like to have to kind of work out a middle ground between, you know, com- different ideas. And it does, on one hand, it, it can lead to, to really cool stuff that you may otherwise not have thought of yourself, but it can also be very stressful and tedious and feeling like uh sometimes you have to compromise the quality of the song to to keep cohesion and and it gets a little bit more complicated you know I I I really wish I could have a person another person to do this with I think I daydream about that often to get there I I don't know how to find to find you know it's just uh I the ideal setup would be definitely more than just me um Mm. Because I have a lot of deficiencies as well. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not good at that I'd rather have somebody else take the lead on. And who so, knows, maybe that
0: will, you know, down the line. But Yeah. Um, so a friend of ours is um, is a musician, and he often tells me, I won't use his name because, <laughs> but he often tells me stories about like I was in a band with that guy, and I wrote all the songs. He's taking credit for all that stuff, and now you know I was in a band with that guy back then. <laughs> he took it. So, d- is there a lot of concern among the like you talked about, you know, trust issues? And that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Is there concern about people maybe taking your stuff, or is it more? Is it really more just about the fact that you are more concerned that? your particular voice that you're looking to express uh, might have to be muted a little bit because you're working with somebody else
2: (laughs) that's funny Uh, (laughs) I think uh, I guess when I said when I brought up trust I I brought up in the context of um, more so trusting kind of the musicality of the other person to to, to be cohesive with my musicality and to have the sum of our parts is greater than our individual uh, contribution and I, that does take trust so you have to trust a person um because it's hard to be 100 percent unless you trust the other person and, and, and so that's that's kind of what i meant I, I personally i don't really care about proprietary like like ownership of ideas and stuff that never really i don't i don't care about so much but yeah. it's more so like you know to to, to work with somebody else I would I would hope that that the music that comes from that would be better or greater than than the music I could, you know, muster up myself. So
0: sure. Makes sense. Yeah.
1: Well, Richie, um, I want to thank you for being on the show again here. Season five. You're part of our our show in season three. As we fade out here, we're going to fade into one of Richie's songs, which has not been picked yet. Nope. he's going to he's going to send a couple for for my approval. Uh, You got to (laughs) trust my instincts trust my musicality when I when I pick a song uh, it's picked I don't collaborate on this and also if you only listen to this interview and you're curious about another one of these songs listen to the interview just prior to this because we'll tease this interview with another one of his songs so Richie thanks again for coming on the show
0: thank thank you so much much. join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we talk with friend of the show and previous guest Michael K but first here's Lucid by Richie Conway.
1: to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.